Kira here, your host for the Joy is True Beauty podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by my little corner of the internet today. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Joy is True Beauty is a podcast that explores stories about the people and communities that bring joy into the world and therefore make it a more beautiful place. I'm so excited to bring you this week's episode featuring Lou Mangello, the host of the WDW radio podcast. You'll hear so much more about Lou in my intro, but I wanted to bring you someone filled with positivity and motivation and someone who has helped dreams come true on so many levels. As we head into 2021, it's important that we keep with us the hope and the drive for a better tomorrow. And I know that Lou can definitely help you do that. I hope you find value in this podcast, nuggets of wisdom, and definitely moments of joy. Let's get going. I'm so excited. I have here with me someone who has been a huge personal inspiration. They say don't meet your heroes, but I'm so very glad that I did. He is the host and producer of WDW Radio, a podcast about all things Disney. He has wonderful audio tours of the Magic Kingdom that you have to go download if you're a Disney fan. He's written books about Disney, including one that he just released and is available on Amazon as a Christmas gift if you want to buy it for people. (laughs) It's called The Disney Interviews, and we'll definitely talk about that today. It's awesome, so you have to check that out. In addition to all of the content that he creates, he also goes live every Wednesday and hosts videos to bring together a community, really a family of Disney fans. Um, which is wonderful for me because I'm so proud to be a part of that family. And on top of all of that, he's a business coach. He's a motivational speaker. He helps people like me reach their dreams. Um, And on top of all of that, he and his wife have a running team that has sent dozens of Make-A-Wish kids um, to Walt Disney World and help their dreams come true. So he is a master of creating joy for other people. And if you're a Disney fan, he is the leader of the clubhouse that is made for you and me. He is Mr. Lou Mangello. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> oh my gosh. If I am ever having a bad day or don't feel good about myself, I'm just going to call you. It's like, can you just do that again? That was so nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I am honored to be here. And it's just nice to talk to you, <laughs> honestly. Um, so for people who don't know, obviously there's a lot for us to cover. Um, And there are so many different aspects that I'd like to talk about because there's the joy that comes with following your own dream and then creating this incredible positive community online, which is really hard to find. And we'll get into that. Um, And then creating joy for other people and helping them realize their dreams. But before we get into that, I'd love for you to give a little bit about your background and how you got into WDW radio, what inspired you to take that leap? So I have to, excuse me, preface this by saying, I I love you and I love what you do. And I love the, the mission and the message of this show in terms of joy. Like part of, of my journey has been the realization that um, the importance of joy, which I think sometimes we forget about, we're so consumed with, you know, success or achievements or, or different things that we forget why we're really doing it. And it's that, that's um, inherent internal personal joy that we have and that hopefully we share with other people. So I, I applaud you and I appreciate you 
for what you are doing. Um, I completely forgot your question already because I just wanted to say nice things about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just love people to hear your story for those that don't know how you got into WDW radio and what inspired you to kind of take that leap in the beginning. Yes. So it really was right. So I knew there was somewhere I was going with this. It really was the, the pursuit of, of joy. So very quick reader's digest condensed version. I was a lawyer in New Jersey. I had an IT consulting company on the side. I was always in the service business. I had this idea of making a product and reselling it after watching way too many infomercials late at night. Uh, the idea of a book came to be, and I didn't really know enough about the law or computers. I've always had this love of Disney World since going in November of 71, three weeks after Walt Disney World opened. So I really set out to write the book I wanted to read, which was a, a trivia book, um, just to see if I could take up the challenge, find a publisher and get it um, and get it out there. Long story longer, uh, I did in 2004, I started a little you know, brochure website with like a homepage and an about page and, and a link to where you could find it on Amazon, but it turned into articles, um, a community. I started a discussion forum in, in 2004, and that really was uh, a huge pivotal moment for me because when I turned it on and 10 people, 20, 30, 50, 100, 1,000, 10, 50, and the number grew, I was like, wow, I'm not alone. Right. Cause this was all pre-social media. Mm -hmm. um, I started podcasting in 2005 and in 2008, I took a, a huge leap of faith and I left my careers and my home and everything else behind. And I moved to Florida to pursue the pursuit of joy, right. The pursue my passion for all things Disney. So for, for those who might not be part of the Disney community, not just the Walt Disney world radio community, can you share a little bit about your history with Disney and that why behind the podcast and why Disney makes you so happy? You know me so well. You know the importance of the why, right? Because it does. It comes from such a, a an internal, emotional, sentimental place, right? Like I said, you know, my parents thankfully drove us down in the family truckster from New Jersey to Walt Disney World in November 71. And we went down every year. And I instantly fell in love with the place and, and my love for the place grew over the years, not just it was because it was so closely tied to these incredible memories that I shared with my parents, but I was fascinated by what it was about this place that was making us and millions of other people go back every year. And I wanted to learn everything I could about it, every detail, every fact, which is really how the trivia book came to be. But it was the why, like, what is it about this place that makes us keep going back? And I realized at some point that it's not about Cinderella or the castle or fireworks or rides, but it's this way that the place makes us feel how, when you step through that portal, you sort of forget everything in the real world. And I still believe many decades later that this place and everything that surround it is, is something special. And uh, never, never in a million years, even when I wrote the book here, did I imagine that going down this path of trying to write a book about this place that I loved and would eventually turn to a complete 180 degree shift in my trajectory personally, um, not just in a business sense, but in a personal sense and, and where this very circuitous journey was going to lead me. So kind of to that point, how did you know, when was the moment that it clicked and you're like, 
this is happening. Like I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm not doing IT. Like I'm quitting my job and this is a real career choice. Like when did that moment and what did that feel like? So there were a few moments, right? Because as I started to do this and I realized the joy that this was bringing me, look, I was doing things that I had literally planned for and trained for my entire life. Like I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer, right? I watched Injustice for All a million <laughs> times. I'm like, I want to be Al Pacino. That's me. I want to do trial work and I want to help people. I, I love doing IT stuff. Um, again, I, 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 hindsight being 2020, I realized that I always wanted to help people, whether it was they were in, they needed legal help, whether I, they needed help. You know, this was in the days of just initially starting to build websites and network mm -hmm. businesses and things like that. And then I wanted to help people have a better Disney vacation too. So these were always things that, that I didn't realize were sort of a common thread, but there were moments that I'd get up and go to work and I'd be miserable and I couldn't wait to get home and work on the book or work on the website or talk to people in the community. And the, the, there literally was a moment um, when I can say that sort of helped get me here. And there was this moment that sort of brought about an awareness of this fear that I had. Mm. And it was not the fear of failure. Like it's an important distinction. It was not a fear of failure. Like it was a fear that time would go by and I would look back with regret and say, why didn't I give this a chance, right? I think what if are the, the two most powerful words. It's not what if I fail, it's what if it works. And I didn't want to look back and go, I wonder what would have happened if I would have tried this. Instead, I turned around and said, what if this works? What if I'm able to make this thing work? And at the very least, I will learn, I will improve, I will get better, but at least I can say that I tried. And it was that, that fear of regret that really helped me say, look, life is too short to be unhappy every day and not do this thing that you love. I had no business plan. I still have no business plan. I had no business plan, but I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I remember telling my friends at the time who aren't my friends anymore that this is what I was going to do. And they're like, wait a minute, man. Like I get, you got your cute little book and your little website. You talk about Mickey Mouse to yourself in your basement for an hour a week. But you mean to tell me you're going to leave a very well-paying job with benefits. You are forever house. You're going to lose money and bring money to your closing. You've got young kids. You're going to move to go rent a house in Florida and then figure out how you're going to make this a business. I'm like, yeah, isn't that awesome? They're like, I give you six <laughs> Best months. Best thing I ever did. <laughs> right. But they were like, I give you six months and you'll be back. And that was a very eye-opening, obviously, moment for me. Um, and I was like, no, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm either going to find a way to make this work. And yes, maybe I will be back, but at least I'm going to give it a shot. So I think what you said about um, the most important thing, I think that you've said to me, full disclosure, he coached me and helped me to actually do what I'm doing right now, <laughs> um, is the what if it works. And I can't tell you how many people I've told, giving you full credit, of course, that same quote to just after that one meeting that we had when you said that, because I think that's true for so many people, no matter what it is that they're going after the what if it fails is always the first question. And I feel like that's something that people should have like tattooed on their hand. Like, what if it works? <laughs> what if it works? What if it doesn't fail? What if you get everything you ever wanted? And that's um, completely possible. And I th so I just think that's something to emphasize because I think that's one of the smartest things anybody's ever told me. Like what nobody's ever said it that way before. 
What if it well, works? And thank you. And look, I, I think it's just a matter of the framing in our minds, right? I think we share a lot of, of there's a lot of commonality in us. And, and I think having a positive attitude towards things. So you can look at what if, and some people look at it as a negative and they think automatically, yeah, what, what if it fails? What if, what if, what if, and I'm like, what if it works? What if I'm able to make this thing into a business? What if somebody likes it? What if, and so that to me, the what if is the most exciting part. Did that help? Did that positive attitude help drive you as you're, you know, you move to Florida and as you say, you kind of just go down, you're like, I'm going to figure this out. It's going to happen. Um, what kept you going after you, after you moved down and you say, you know, without a business plan, what helped you to keep that motivation? Uh, fear. <laughs> so, you know, and I say that half jokingly, That's but fair. it's true. Well, because it's true because sometimes, mm. you know, you take the leap of faith, you better figure out how to build those wings on the way down or else. And so there, and look, fear is a great motivator because when I came down here, I had no choice but to succeed and defining successes is something completely different. But I knew that coming down here, I was going to have to find a way to make it work. And still to this day care, you ask me what I do for a living and I'll say whatever it takes because it's true. And I knew that when I moved down here, I was going to try and do whatever I had to do to make this business idea work. And I would, and to this day, continue to try and, innovate and and be ahead of the curve and always you know try and figure out what's next but if it didn't i was ready and still remain ready to do whatever i need to to make sure that my kids eat <clears throat> two three times a week at a <laughs> at a bare minimum two three times a week um but it is it's that fear that that's a bit of a you know a motive like hey how am i going to pay my rent this month how am mm -hmm. i going to pay this bill or how am i going to do this and sometimes people need that to make them get up a little bit earlier, stay up a little bit longer and a little bit later, late at night to make some of those sacrifices that, you know, you need to make in order sometimes to make your idea or your business or your dream or whatever it is a reality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of those, I remember a story you, you tell about um, when you're interviewing Richard Sherman and you went on a search for his phone number and was able to find it. And I think about stories like that and how often that must have happened in your search for finding how to contact different individuals. Um, can you share either that story or another story like that where you really had to do whatever it took, kind of digging for the information in order to get in touch with the people you wanted to interview? Yeah. So again, this is going back to like 2007, 2008-ish, again, really before not just social and media were sort of put together in as right. a single phrase, but even from a Disney's perspective before, you know, Disney has a sort of fan or an official fan organization called D23, which has events and, and their own things that they do where, where they've over the past decade or so have brought of the, a lot of these Disney legends and actors and Imagineers and story people out to the forefront. But back then in 2008, that really wasn't the case. And Richard Sherman, who, if you're not necessarily a Disney fan, he is half of the Sherman brothers and they wrote the music for Mary Poppins, the Enchanted Tiki Room. It's a small world. I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, dozens and dozens of Disney movies and theme park. Chances are, if you've heard a song, you've heard a Sherman Brothers song <laughs> because they're, they're, um, 
that are present not just in the Disney parks, but but so many Disney movies. And because I loved and admired and appreciated his work so much, I wanted to talk to him first and foremost as a Disney fan. I don't, I never care if anybody else listens to an interview because they come from a fan perspective first. Like I'm getting to talk to this person. And, and I swear it's not in a stalkery or a creepy kind of way, but I did my <laughs> due diligence and I sort of re- reversed engineered um, how I could find him. And so I, I found a phone number and I nervously called one night and his wife answered the phone. And 45 minutes later, um, she and I had a lovely conversation. And it's amazing. Says, okay, I'll, I'll have Richard call you tomorrow. And the next day the phone rings and it's Richard. You know, again, if you're a Disney fan, like, wait yeah. a minute, Richard Sherman's calling my <laughs> phone. Um, and just the nicest man, nicest couple uh, you could ever imagine. So you, you've had a lot of interactions like that. And some of them are in the book, which we'll talk about later. Um, and if you go and listen to Lou's podcast, you'll hear his excitement when he talks to all of these individuals. Cause you, I think that's what I love so much about it. You're like one of us, you're genuinely a fan. <laughs> you're genuinely a fan. And it's just nice because you're sitting there like giddy about it. And we're sitting there listening, giddy about it too. But were there any defining moments like the, do you remember the first few people that you may have reached out to that were at that Disney level that you're like, oh my God, this is one of my first really big interviews. What did that, what was the joy like when you first got to talk to some of these people and realized I can do this for a living. I can talk to my heroes. <laughs> I don't know if there was ever a specific moment, <clears throat> sorry, that I said, I can do this for a living. Remember when I start out, whether it was writing the book doing the website, starting the podcast, making money, making this a career was never part of the plan. And I think, you know, not to sound like grandfatherly advice, but if you are starting out and want to do something like this and pursue your passion, you need to do the why is the most important reason. If you're doing it because you think this is the million dollar idea, this is going to make money, that shouldn't be the motivating factor, right? And I'm happy that you said that because I'm happy that that comes through on the podcast, which I believe is the most authentic and genuine transparent of all these mediums, as you know. Um, so I'm happy that people pick up on it because it does come from that. And, you know, uh, some of my, the early interviews that I did were people whose, again, work I admire, like George McGinnis, who is in the book, was one of the early ones I did. Charlie Ridgway. Um, Like I knew Charlie Ridgway because when I first started writing my first book, he was the head of publicity for Walt Disney World. And I was literally and figuratively sort of knocking on the door saying, listen, I don't want anything. I just need access to information because I want to make sure that what I put in my book is correct. And Charlie said, look, Lou, if you're not radio, TV or newspapers, again, to give you an idea of context, Mm -hmm. you're not media. And then later on, I sort of, you know, I met him after he had left the company and we shared a publisher. Uh, you know, when Charlie wrote his book um, and it was such a great thrill to talk to them about the work they did, working with Walt Disney, their legacy. And still to this day, that's how I feel whenever I get to an interview. Like it is, it's a joy, it's a blessing, it's a privilege that these people are willing to share their time with me and that I have the privilege and responsibility to share that with people that listen to. Yeah. And I love that you just said that like the responsibility of sharing it. I love that you see it. You're, you're part of, I feel like WDW radio is part of the Disney experience now. Like if you're a Disney fan, that's, that's part of it. You're, you're part of that community. And 
I love that you see that it's anybody who's involved with Disney. It's like so much bigger than just one person. And it's this big, wonderful family. Um, so I'd love to talk about that next, like the community. And I think, I know I've said this to you, but I want the world or whoever's listening <laughs> to hear, to hear, <laughs> to hear this. Cause I think I'm a, I'm a part of so many Disney, um, organizations online and cause I have a problem and I'm very happy to have the problem. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm aware, but most of the different communities I'm a, I'm a part of, you'll see there's a lot of politics that happen in there and, and Disney politics too, like not even government, just, like, <laughs> just people with different opinions, which is fine, but they're fighting each other. There's a lot of nastiness and just kind of that anonymity of being on the internet. And when you come into the clubhouse or you go to WDW radio on any of the channels or mediums that you're on, there's nothing but positivity and love and acceptance and understanding and this real feeling of family. How do you get there? Because I think so many people that it's such a joyful place. I can't wait to come in every Wednesday night and talk to people I've never met, but I feel like I know them because we share all these funny little moments that we've had with our families in the Disney parks. And it makes them feel like, oh God, you understand me because you listen to the land music while you garden. And so do <laughs> I like that, you know, and people just understand that. Um, how do you create a community like that? That's just blossoming with joy. Well, it's a testament to the people within it. Right. And, and I say this all the time and I believe this, you know, I, I had the privilege of, of building the clubhouse, but it's, the people that populate it, that make it a community, that make it a family. Um, I, I was very intentional very early on. Um, again, going back to, you know, discussion forum days and, and Usenet and, you know, news groups and things like that before there were so many things. And I was a member of other discussion forums and I saw that same thing there. And I said, you know, I'm going to, create a community. My site was originally called DisneyWorldTrivia.com because it's mm. I didn't know what I was doing and that's what I was talking about. And and that's where I built it. And I said, look, and, and I still believe this, Kira, it's not, you've heard me say this a million times, it's not about the numbers, right? I don't care about the numbers. They don't matter to me. I care about the people inside. And I wanted to build a place exactly as you described, where everyone was welcome, no one would be criticized or chastised, certainly not ridiculed. It was a welcoming place that was completely family friendly. And I believe that we are magnets for the kind of people that you want to attract. And rather than being concerned with, as I think, unfortunately, many people are with growing the numbers and just trying to get the next person, I cared more about having like-minded people in there nurturing those people and that once what ends up happening is they become your most passionate passionate evangelists mm -hmm. to go and tell others like hey you're a disney fan you should come and check it out over here because this is how this place makes me feel i and i tell you the story only to illustrate the power of that community in do carry the one in more than 17 <laughs> years of doing this um i've never placed a paid ad I have never, other than sort of just figure out and learn how to use, you know, Facebook or whatever, but I never placed a paid ad to try and get people to listen to the show, to download something, certainly not to join the community because I want people to be there for the right reasons. And 
when you do that, the community will not only grow organically, but it'll grow for the right reasons. And that's the reason why there is, knock on wood, none of that drama. None of We don't really have moderators and administrators because it's self-policing, because the people who are in there, that's just not how they act toward each other. And if somebody pops in and they'll see that that's just not the place where this kind of stuff happens. Um, and so I consider myself incredibly fortunate just to be able to pay witness and watch this incredible family grow um, and do wonderful things really for the right reasons. Do you have any, I mean, put you on the spot, but do you, do you have any specific examples or stories um, or experiences that you've had with the community? And, and we, I should mention the community so much more than online because you do in-person meetups with people. There are cruises and trips with Disney adventures and like all over the place where people can go to Japan and Alaska and, and get to actually meet you and your family and other people that are part of the online community. Um, but are there examples or stories that you might want to share where the community has brought joy either to you or you just see bringing people bringing joy to each other? Yeah. So, you know, from a very early time, going back to 2008, um, I started doing monthly meetups in Walt Disney World. Again, this is when the idea of meeting like, quote unquote, internet strangers was <laughs> like, you just didn't do that. And other people were like, wait a minute, like you're going to meet like all. So, but I look, I was either I was still living in New Jersey. I was flying back and forth really almost on a monthly basis. And I said, look. I'm here. If anybody wants to get together, I'd love to say hi. And the idea has always been the same. It's not, it, please, my, this is not about ego at all. It's not so people can come and meet me. It's exactly the opposite. It's so that I can meet you, so that I can look you in the eye. I'm a handshake and a hug kind of guy. When we're when this COVID thing is over, I'm bringing <laughs> hugging backs in a, in a hugging back in a big way, but so that I could look you in the eye and shake your hand and say thank you. And I want to hear your story. And I want to. And so that's what the idea was. And so January of 2008 was the first meet of the month. I had no idea if anybody was even going to show up, but it shows the importance of face-to-face -face communication and relationships. And I've seen that form and the people that I've personally met through the show and in these real life meetups have become my closest friends. I've seen other friendships, marriages and children come out of these things too. And again, going back to the community, I think you mentioned earlier, um, you know, Make-A-Wish has always been the core and most important part of what we do. Um, it's something I've, I've dedicated a, a portion of everything that I've done to since I started writing my first book. Because of the community coming together, they have raised $350,000 and they have been able to, at some of these meet, meets of the month, see the Make-A-Wish family that they sponsored which is incredibly powerful, not just for the people who have raised money to see exactly where it goes. And mm -hmm. like, we did that, we made this, but that family and that child and that child's parents are able to see that these are the people that literally made this wish come true. It, it is, it's a gift to be able to just watch that happen for both sides. And how did you and your wife start all of that? Like when was the, cause you said ever since you started writing the book, it's been a part of what you've done. And then there's also a dedicated effort with the dream, dream team project. So can you talk a little bit about that as well? 
Yeah. So um, when I started writing my first book, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer um, and I drove him every day, five days a week from New Jersey to Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City. Uh, and as he was going in for treatment, we would have to pass the pediatric cancer floor. And I was I was incredibly moved and touched by the fact that those children were there. And I literally remember sitting waiting for my dad to for treatment. And I was like pen on paper. I was writing trivia questions. And I said, you know, I want to do something for those kids and I want to help them somehow. And donating money to research is great, but they'll never see the benefit of that in, in the reality of the situation. I said, so I want to do something where, you know, maybe we're able to bring some of this quote unquote Disney magic um, that we know and love and maybe even take for granted to a certain degree to those children. And that's how the idea of wish granting came to be. So I said, look, I'm going to take a portion of the proceeds from every trivia book and really everything else that I've done and, and donated to a wish granting organization. And I've worked with make a wish very closely for um, coming up on probably 13 years or so. That's amazing. Um, and in 2000, two, no, let's see about 2000, uh, six or so. I had actually started doing a different uh, a podcast before this one. I had a co-host and it was just when Run Disney was starting to become oh, like yeah. something more than just for runners to run races at Disney World. It was it was shifting. It was for a place for Disney enthusiasts to sort of dip their toe into running a race and sort of being surrounded by the pixie dust and magic. And I will never forget. I said to my coach, so I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll do one of those half marathons one day. And he laughed at me <gasps> and I'm like, okay, buddy, look, I'm not the <laughs> tallest, most athletic guy on the planet. I'm the first to admit, but I sort of took that. Not only I took offense to it, but I'm like, okay, gauntlet throw down. I'm going to do it. And so I, and my wife and one of a friend that I had made, through the community, uh, I had these horrific yellow cotton, not a good idea, <laughs> T-shirts made up that said like WDW radio team or whatever. And we ran what was my first and only half marathon. And yay, it was all happy. and It was great. And I think what ended up happening was people was like, hey, if short, fat, stubby like Lou Mangello could do, we could do this too. It looks like it's kind of fun. And the team has grown from the three of us to, I think we're about 700 now worldwide um, that run, run Disney races here, California, Paris, and in their own cities and towns and raise money for make wish. I'm still there. I cheer. I think I do more good on the opposite side of the stanchions than getting in your way on the course. Um, but it's been an incredible not just community event, but a real difference maker in the lives of, of families that need it. Yeah. I think for, you know, you mentioned um, you get to meet some of these families as you've gone along this journey and for, for you and your family um, and for the WDW radio family, that's such a special moment. What was that? Do you remember the first time that happened and what was that feeling like when you got to see the family and the smiles on the faces? So clearly you're doing everything in your power to get me to full out burst into tears because you know that crying is podcast gold. Um, <laughs> it was, and uh, I'm not going to lie. I completely lost it and I still lose it. 
I still lose it every time when I see the faces of these kids and these parents, because say what you want, there is something beyond therapeutic, borderline miraculous about getting these kids out of a hospital bed. They all of a sudden, you know, forget as much as they can about the doctors and the treatment and all the things that they can't do. And there's an incredible joy that is on all of their faces. And we've kept in touch with a lot of the families. Um, and to see that sort of tangible result of things that you do, both for the families, as well as the people who are on the running team, who are part of the community that have all helped contribute to make that happen. There is nothing more beautiful and rewarding um, that has happened than, than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think something that you do, and I'm, it's a reason I'm such a big fan is every single thing that you do helps somebody's dream come true, right? So you have all these people who are, whether it's planning a trip and it helps make that better, or for those of us, like right now, COVID is happening. We can't get to Disney, but we're with you on your phone as you're walking through the parks. And so you, you give us the taste of that magic and you take us with you all over the resort. Um, in addition to just bringing us into a family of, as I said before, people who are talking about Disney. So it brings us a taste of the magic when we can't get there ourselves. Um, and then there's all of the make-a-wish dreams that you help come true. And then there are people like me who reach out to you and say, I have this idea. I might be crazy. Maybe it'll never work. But, and then you come say, well, maybe it'll work and I'll help you. Um, so you have, you have coaching that you do in addition to everything that you're doing on the Disney side. So can you talk a little bit, how did that come about? When did you decide to like, I'm going to help other people make their dreams come true. And you've done it for so many of us. It was never something that was part of a plan. Remember, I never had a plan. Um, <laughs> it was never part of a plan. Um, I, I'm, I'm a learner, right? So as this was all happening, I loved going, remember conferences? I used to love going to conferences <laughs> Um, and Shaking listening and strangers and yeah, all the things we can't do. <laughs> <laughs> but then I started getting, getting invited to speak at conferences when, when people heard my story, um, in terms of making that shift from lawyer to, you know, passion project follower and, and, um, you know, making a business out of it. And, and I did, and I do want to help people. Right. And, and the, the word coach gives me the heebie-jeebies and <laughs> mentor. I don't, I don't know what to call it, but I know that when I was on this journey, yes, I had a supportive family around me from parents to wife to kids and, and, but it's different than having somebody who can help you along the way. And, and I, while I had a lot of help, there was a lot of, of trial and error. Um, there was a lot of pitfalls. There was a lot of you know, great learning opportunities, but I wanted to, and still want to help people wherever they are, whether they've got this idea and maybe they don't know if they should do it or how to actually go about doing it, or they feel like they're on the cusp of making this hobby into something that can be more, I, I've, I've been down those roads and I know what it feels like. I know how alone sometimes we feel. I know how important accountability is as well as, you know, having people to talk to and bounce ideas off of that. Look, 
husbands and wives and kids and parents are great, but then we're like, oh yeah, honey, that's a great idea. Go, but it's different than having somebody who has actually, you know, been through that process before. So whether it's one-on-one coaching or, or, um, you know, weekly mastermind groups or events and retreats, um, I, I think it's so important. And look, some people don't even know where to, or how to ask for help. Um, and it's okay. I, you know, we can't do it all on our own. Yeah. I think maybe you should rebrand fairy godfather. That, that way you don't have to use coach. You don't have to use mentor if those are like weird words, but like works with the Disney thing. And it's totally what you're doing because you're helping all these people. So you have, if, if you have, um, can you share? Cause I know there's so many people who have, have come to you like me and they have the first couple calls or conversations. And then down the road, years later, you see that they're succeeding. Can you share maybe some of the first people that you've helped or stories about where you look back and say, gosh, I remember when I talked to them three years ago. And, and does that bring you joy? I can't get out of my head. You said fairy godfather. I have this, I can hear the song from the godfather playing and I can imagine me sitting like Marlon Brando, like in a tuxedo going, I'm your fairy godfather. (laughs) That was the worst Brando impression. I'm so sorry. Way better than mine. (laughs) Um, You know, look again, the, the greatest blessing out of all this has, has been about people. And I say this all the time. I did not have a lot of friends growing up and the friendships and the relationships and the people that I've met because of this has been overwhelmingly joyful for me. And when I encounter somebody that I am able to help, because again, hindsight being 2020, I just really want to help people. I want people to feel the way I do about being excited to get up in the morning and not wanting to go asleep at night because you're so excited to work on that thing. I don't care what that thing might be. And when I see people whose lives have literally been changed, not by anything that I did, but if I've been able to play a small part in helping them take those steps or turn that corner or have that sort of aha moment, um, you know, there was a, and again, not to single anybody out, but there was somebody that I that I worked with a, a long time ago who so many people have the idea, right? You've got an idea for a book. Everybody, everybody I think has a book in them, but there's a huge mm-hmm. nexus between those who dream about writing a book and those who actually get that book in their hands. And this guy struggled for years before I met him to try and get this book out. And I said, you know, you need to do this. And, he, and I used to try and keep him accountable. And I would literally call or text. I'd set my alarm. I said, look, you need to get up every morning and write 500 words. You get up a half hour earlier. I said, I will be with you along the way. And he didn't sort of believe me when I said that. So I would call him or text him every morning at five o'clock until he's like, dude, my wife keeps asking me like, who is texting you every morning? And I'm like, Hey, no, Roger, you got to get up. You got to write this book. And we worked together for a while. And then years later, I'm at a, I was at a conference and literally somebody comes running up behind me and gives me this huge bear hug. And again, lots of things start going through my mind in terms of what's going on. (laughs) And he turns me around and he's got tears in his eyes. And he's like, I've got something for now. I was like, my God, it's Roger. And he's like, and here's my book. And he's like, because of you, I finally got this book. And because of this book, A, B, and C are happening. I'm speaking at this conference and I loved just seeing that excitement and joy in his face by what he was able to accomplish. That's incredible. Um, 
if you, so I think something that is kind of coming out of all of these stories are the, and you won't like this (laughs) because you're such a good, humble, wonderful human being, but it's all the legacy that you're creating and leaving. You're creating this community that I think Walt would be very proud of. You know, when you talk about bringing people together from all over the world and having it be inclusive, you know, it's like a microcosm of what Disney World is. It's just online. Um, And I think that's incredibly beautiful. And I know we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but you've, so you've left a legacy on that community. Um, You and your family have left a legacy on the Make-A-Wish community. And that's so huge. Um, And it's brought joy to so many people, but that ripples out, right? Because you create joy and then people feel so wonderful. They have to do it for others and it just keeps going and going. But what about the joy of, you're kind of following in your parents' footsteps. I know you said they were both entrepreneurs. And then also leaving a legacy for your kids and showing them anything is possible. Like that's joy wrapped up with a bow. (laughs) So it's funny you use that word legacy because as we start to get older, it's a word that starts to creep into our vernacular um, a little bit more. It starts to be some of the things that I personally have started to think about in terms of, you know, what am I going to leave behind? If it all ends tomorrow, right? Because I can walk out and, you know, God forbid, get hit by a bus. You know, what is the legacy that I am leaving behind? Um, you know, I don't mean life insurance policies. I mean, what is it that I'm really leaving behind? And you're right. I I do look at it a couple of different ways in terms of the things that I have done. Um, my goal has always been singular, which is to have a positive effect on other people, because I do believe in that ripple effect and like throwing a stone in a lake, you don't know how far out those ripples might extend. And sometimes we get to see that, right? Somebody that we touch and maybe have helped impact makes a change and then that impacts somebody else. And that goes on and on. And while that legacy might never come back to you, you can sort of, you know, have that peace that you've helped that for my, when you have children, I think it's even more pronounced and you can try and teach them and sit them down. And these are things you need to remember, but Mm -hmm. with the show and the stuff that I do, I'm not telling them, but I'm really trying to use these as real world examples of on the most grand sense, whatever that thing is that you love, you can turn it into what you do. The days of having to have a job that you hate and then work on you love at night are over right? Those, those days are over. Whatever it is that you love can be something that you can do every day and bring yourself joy and bring other people joy at the same time. Um, how we define success is not in dollars and cents, but in levels of happiness. And hopefully they see that. I tell them all the time, if I was still practicing law, you'd never see me. Mm-hmm. I'd be in the office till eight o'clock at night, six days a week. I'd be tired and miserable. You know, I get to spend time. I have dinner with my family every night phones down, like it matters. Like those are the things that really matter. And I'm hoping that as time goes on and their mindset starts to shift and they start thinking about the impact that they're going to have and their family, they're going to realize the importance of some of the things that we've done and the things that they have, the possibilities and, and opportunities to do as well. What about having them on the podcast with you? Cause 
Some of those episodes are my favorite, honestly, like hearing their perspective and listening to what they think about, whichever, whatever the topic might be at hand. How have those moments been for you? So it's funny because I, I literally think the first time they were on, don't tell them I said this, but the first time they were on, um, my guest had canceled for the week and I needed a show. And I'm like, <laughs> yikes. All right, kids, get in the car. We're going to do a live dining review somewhere. We're going to, you know, which it's one of the things I do is I'll do a live review of a restaurant rather than me talking about it, thinking about it in hindsight and telling you what our experience is like. You're going to be there with us. You're going to hear exactly what the server sounds like, our immediate responses and reactions to the food. And so I brought them along. So I brought my wife and I had my kids because I wanted, like everything I do, to be completely honest and transparent. But the beautiful thing is, and I still to this day have never said this to them because I don't want them to be aware, is that as parents, we chronicle the growth and maturation of our children by drawings and report cards on the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I've got the benefit of something else. I have years of their voices and their opinions, and you can hear how they grow and how they change and the different words that they use. And like, I can almost point to a time where like my son turned a corner and yeah, he was still, you know, cute and funny, but all of a sudden the words that were coming out of his mouth, I'm like, how much cooking channel have you been watching? Because, (laughs) you know, but I'll always have that, you know, I, I will have that forever. And more importantly, they'll be able to go back. And, you know, when they have kids, um, you know, when my daughter starts dating, when she's 40, when she goes back and has kids, they'll be able to listen and hear like, oh, this is what our mother sounded like, you know, way back in the 2020s. <laughs> I think that that's so beautiful. And it's something that people, I don't always think come to realize because we're so used to this world where you take a picture of everything, you film everything and you post everything. Um, but it also creates beautiful histories of our families that in, you know, when I was a child, we didn't have that. You know, my dad had a big camcorder that he brought to Disney and we have tiny little tapes and tons of photos that are, you know, in boxes and albums and things. Um, But even those go bad sometimes, like the little videotapes and stuff. And you don't, we have tape recorders from my grandmother that are scratchy and it's not the type of thing that people are used to now where you have all of that to look back at. And that's really, I think that's just wonderful. And it's so cool that you can listen to them growing up and and hear the change in their voices. Have they ever gone back and listened to old podcasts of themselves? You know what? I have a feeling they have, but especially like my daughter won't admit it. Because one thing which I think she loves and hates is that, especially now, you know, my daughter, God help me, is in high school. Mm-hmm. And- She'll be like, oh, you know, she'll she'll start a new grade and her teachers will go, wait a minute. I've been listening to your dad's show for years and I heard you on the podcast when you were nine. You know, the embarrassment for a 17 year old girl is is overwhelming. But um, from a dad point of view, it's 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 awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I do. I do want to talk about your book a little bit because I think it it chronicles many different interviews, but you also get, just like I said, with the podcast, you get your excitement. So there's the transcript of the podcast, but you, you always give us before that some context some history about the individual we're learning about. How did you pick those, those interviews? Um, 
And then was there any interview and it can be in the book or, or a totally separate one where you just like ran around the house because you were so happy <laughs> that you got to do that interview. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to not only put them in a different format and hopefully reach people that maybe don't even know what a podcast is, but give a, like you said, some of the, the context about what had happened before. Um, look for, for every interview they were, given and taken as a Disney fan first, like Lou Mangiello, the Disney enthusiast can't believe that he's talking to this person. However, not to call anybody out, but I'll call somebody out. And this is not meant to be a name dropping kind of thing, but it's just out of complete excitement. Um, when I had the opportunity to interview Dame Julie Andrews, um, I literally cleared the house. Like I'm like, all right, everybody needs to leave. I need a few hours of silence. I had like three recorders going and she was as warm and wonderful and gracious and graceful as you would want and imagine Julie Andrews to be. And they told me that I'd have 15 minutes and nearly an hour later, like we were still chatting. And when we were done recording, I said, uh, Miss Julie, Mr. Miss Andrew, Dame Julie, uh, Mary Poppins, uh, I've been a big fan since I was a little kid and now I get to share it with my kids. And I just sort of like blah, like all these just thing. And she, she sees it goes, oh, Lou. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mary Poppins just said my name like I did, like I was bawling, like we were done. And I and I had this emotional release, like I've loved this movie. I've loved this character. And it was after I verified that all the recordings were correct, like <laughs> I had this, like Fair. I can't believe yeah. that what I was just able to do and and speak to somebody whose whose work I've I've loved so much. And I can only imagine what it's like to talk to Julie Andrews because she's just like an angel on earth. When you walk away from that podcast or any podcast, what is it that you hope that the listener on the other side will take away from it, and how do you hope they'll feel at the end? So the idea with any show that I do, Kira, is that we are we are doing this show together, meaning you as a listener, and I'm talking and I'm speaking and doing a show for the one person that's listening. If I'm doing an interview, you are sitting right by my side. If I'm doing a live dining review, you are at that table sharing that meal with us. So I feel the obligation, the responsibility to make sure, and maybe this is where training as a trial attorney helped, but I want, I'm sure that not only do I want to, to guide the interviewee through a story that I want them to tell and, and hitting certain key points along the way, but I also want to make sure that I ask the questions that I know another Disney enthusiast would want to hear. And mm -hmm. to the point in terms of how did I choose the ones for what I hope is going to be volume one of multiple volumes of the book is that these are all people that worked for or with Walt Disney or, and I had sort of, in, in the case of Dave Smith, helped to preserve his legacy because he started mm -hmm. the Walt Disney Archives. And I, there's, you'll see as you read them individually and then contextually together that there are some common threads that are woven through in terms of, especially when they talk about Walt. Right when they talk about what working for him was like, what Walt, the man sort of behind the scenes off camera was like, the absolute reverence and respect and gratitude and admiration that they had for that man mm -hmm. is something definitely that's that's woven throughout. Yeah. What do you think, just going back to Walt, 
what do you think he would say if he could join a live, if he could come online and somebody teaches him about computers and Facebook and all the things <laughs> and he's on there chatting and he pops and he goes, Hey Lou, Walt, what do you, what do you think his reaction to the community and the clubhouse and everything you built would be? Well, I, I think again, I'm going to take myself out of that equation. Right. But I think if Walt, you know, and Walt, look, right now, I, I believe has the best seat in the house. So he is seeing it. And I would never presume to speak for a man that I have never met before. But knowing what I know, you know, from a distance in terms of what I think Walt wanted his movies to do, his parks to do, was what? Was to bring people together, to bring people joy, to be a, a sense and a source of, of happiness. I, I think that what he would see happens in Disney communities like ours um, is something that he would love because all of a sudden the, the, the barriers that kept people apart are no longer there, whether they be physical barriers, distance barriers, economic barriers, anybody can hop onto Facebook and be part of a conversation without having to worry about any sort of, of, gatekeeper in between them. And I think Walt would love that, right? Um, I, I keep saying that because look, I'm always going to make lemonade from lemons, that while the the pandemic has kept us physically apart, I think in many ways it's brought us closer together because we've been forced to sort of come together online and we find other people that share not just common interests, but common values as well. And I And I think Walt would like that. I think Walt would love to see um, you know, people coming together, um, you know, for the right reasons and, and all the good that comes out of it. I love that. And I think I, I really appreciate that you brought up the pandemic because I think it's something that's impacted everything. And definitely in the Disney community, right. The parks were closed for quite some time. Um, and it impacted what we could all experience in so many different ways. How, how have you and your family kind of gotten through this really crazy time and, and what brings you joy this year, specifically in 2020 with all the things that are happening? Yeah, look, everybody has been impacted in, in different levels of severity, personally, financially, business-wise, however way that you, you want to frame it. Um, you know, we, we keep moving forward as a wise man once said, um, <laughs> And I think how we approach the pandemic best that we can, understanding that everybody's circumstances are different. I, I absolutely acknowledge that. But I think the mindset that you approached it and continue to approach it with is critical. Um, you can sort of curl up in the fetal position on your couch with a bag of Doritos and just binge watch Netflix. I'm not saying that I did that for a little while, but, um, you know, because both sides of my business basically sort of disappeared overnight, like speaking in conferences and, and Disney, like literally like, like, huh, okay. I had a backup plan and they're both closed, but I flipped the switch and I said, well, wait a minute. Like all of a sudden we have the blessing of having an abundance of the thing we complained that we never had enough of, which is time. All of a sudden you're stuck in your house. You don't have to worry about showering, driving, going anywhere. You have time. What you chose to do with it, again, understanding different search was up to you. 
So I chose both for myself and to hopefully set an example for others. Like, okay, I'm going to do something with it. Look, the Disney interviews book was on and I'm pointing to my whiteboard that sits across from my desk every day that has a list of things that I've wanted to do literally for years. And the Disney interviews book has been on there. I'm like, well, what are you waiting for? Like, go do it. And there was a short period of time that I really sort of got focused and I hunkered down and I'm like, I am getting this done. So it was one to take advantage of, of the time I had two to try and compensate for everything that was being lost. And I did, and I do hope cure that it does serve as a very, very small example. Like, Hey, you can, if Luke can run a race, if Luke get his, Luke could publish his book, you can too, right? Take advantage of this time. Whatever this idea is that is that you might have again to, I'll use a quote. Now is the time. Now is the best time to go ahead and do it. Yeah. And I think, I think I want you to know that that's happening. People, people look at you and they watch you and they see what you're doing and there are t-shirts and sweatshirts that you can all go buy that say, choose the good <laughs> because it's, it's what you do on a daily basis. And I know you talk about, you know, when we talk about the community, um, you always talk about other people, but you lead by example. And so you being in there and you being this positive force helps everybody else because it says, well, exactly what you just said. You know, we see Lou and he can do it. So we can do it too. <laughs> and it inspire, it really does inspire everybody. Um, and like I mentioned at the beginning, you've been a huge inspiration to me for years and you can totally ask my family hand to God. They'll always be like, she always says, you know, Lou, he quit his job. He's talking about Disney. He loves it so much. I'm going to be like him someday. <laughs> um, because, and there are so many of us that you've had that impact on. So I, Thank you so much, Fairy Godfather, for that. <laughs> I thank you so much for that and everything that you do from the community and the book. Where can people get the book? Well, thank you for that. Uh, I listen. I, I am. I'm going to just call you every morning. Like, could you say something nice about me? Because you're you're so very good at it. Um, you can find the book um, by just going directly to DisneyInterviews.com. Awesome. So yeah, at the, you know, everything that you do to help other people, I thank you for that. Um, everything you do to help make a wish, everything you do to help inspire people who are really trying to make their dreams come true. Um, it's been a huge motivation to me and so many. So I, I thank you. And this whole podcast has really been about everything that you do to create joy. Um, but I'd love to hear like at the end of the day, what brings you the most joy? You know, it's a harder question to answer than it might seem and certainly mm -hmm. one that I was prepared for. Um, you know, I, I think it it's that, right? Do you, you Are you able to lay your head down at the end of the day and look back and say, I'm proud of what I did today. Uh, I'm proud of if tonight is the last night, am I proud of what I am leaving behind? Um you know, what is the ripple effect I'm going to have on others? Um, you know, I say this all the time. My, my dad passed a number of years ago and I don't know why I, I keep coming back to this, but after he passed person after person, after person came up to me and would say, you know what? Your dad was a good man. And for some reason that struck me, like there's no better compliment that you could have paid to my father than just saying he was a good man. 
Um, and so I, I do things in the hopes that, you know, um, when my time comes or when people look at, at things I've done or, or things that I've, I've had a hand in, um, there is that, that positive, you know, good ripple to other people. That's the most beautiful why. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for making me laugh and for making me cry <laughs> and, and for your friendship and your support. It's just so appreciated. Um, so thank you for being here today and everybody go to www.radio.com. Check out the podcast. It's on Spotify, iTunes, listen, leave a review, join the clubhouse, join us on Wednesdays to hear Lou talk about his podcast. He'll give you Disney plus movies and films that you never thought to watch. Um, like the black hole <laughs> and it'll change your life. <laughs> so you should join on seven 30 on Wednesdays. Um, it's just a wonderful community and whether you're a Disney fan or not, if you're not a Disney fan, you might become one. So you should join. <laughs> um, and thank you, Lou, so much for today. Really. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. And, and I say this to you all the time. I love, um, you know, you are such a, an, an example and a testament of, of good people who are doing good things and having a, a, an amazing impact um, on the world around them. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. And special thanks to Lou for being on the podcast and for your encouragement and support. It was an absolute joy to have you as a guest. To learn more about Lou and all the work he does, go to wdwradio.com and check out WDW Radio on the streaming platform of your choice. Also, head over to lumangelo.com to hear more about his coaching programs and how he can help you make your dreams come true. A heartfelt thanks to Alana Thayer, who designed and created the branding for Joy's True Beauty, and to Mark Duren, the talented musician who composed the music you hear in every episode. I'm so grateful to Alana and Mark for their friendship and for sharing their talents that help make this podcast what it is. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family and subscribe on the streaming platform of your choice so you don't miss any future episodes. Head over to the website, joystruebeauty.com for more content about joy and to subscribe to our email list to receive updates on the newest episodes and new content as we move forward. Be sure to follow along on Facebook and Instagram and join the Facebook group, The Joy Cafe, to be part of a kind and joyful community. So one of Lou's mottos, and if you listen to his podcast or you join his live feed on Wednesday nights, you'll hear this, is choose the good. And he always says, choose the good, be the good. So this week, I want you to challenge yourself. I know days can be difficult, especially in the environment that the world is in right now. But take a moment at the end of each day for the next week and choose the good. Strive to find what was good about that day and what you're most grateful for. It makes all the difference in the world and it'll help change your perspective. Are there challenges? Definitely. Can we conquer them by working together and showing kindness, love, and understanding? Absolutely. You're never alone. You're needed. You're appreciated. There's so much good still left in the world and so much joy that we can create together. Until next time, wishing you great joy. <laughs>